You're listening to the 40 Days of Praying for Revival Devotion. In the late 1700s, two beliefs were gaining popularity in America, especially in the frontier states. They were the beliefs of universalism and deism. Universalism is the belief that all will be saved. Deism, the belief that God made the world but is uninvolved in the world. These two heretical beliefs are still very much alive today. I'm sure you might know a few people who think this way. They say, I'm sure God will let me into heaven, if heaven is real. There can't possibly be a hell. A loving God would never do that. And I'm sure you know people who would say that if there is a God, he definitely isn't around or important in knowing. This is deism and universalism. These beliefs are like the anthem of our generation. They were captured so poignantly in the song Imagine by John Lennon. Imagine there's no heaven, it's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Wherever these beliefs are deep-rooted, you find moral decay. And the reason is because they exclude final accountability and judgment. They exclude heaven and hell, and worst of all, they exclude God from everyday life. The fruit of believing that God will not judge us or that he is not around anyway is that we become a law unto ourselves and we live for today. In the frontier states, these thoughts had grown into the fabric of society like weeds. They were everywhere and they were choking faith, morality and righteousness. Ministers in those days were struggling and reported a prevalence of vice and infidelity, sexual immorality, rampant alcoholism, and avaricious land grabbing coupled with declining church membership. In 1798, the Presbyterian General Assembly asked that a day be set aside for fasting, humiliation, and prayer to redeem the frontier from what they called an Egyptian darkness. To say the church in those days was on the back foot was an understatement. They had been relegated to the sidelines and were almost obscure. However, after much prayer and repentance, there was a general sense of hope that God was about to move in a new way. No one was sure when or where it would begin, but many were convinced that God would begin his work of revival. The first spark came in a Presbyterian church. It was a weekend conference with nothing unusual or worth reporting until right at the end of the last sermon, God touched one woman and then soon the whole congregation sat weeping and then the power came. Preacher John McGee began preaching under the power of the Holy Spirit and soon the floor was covered with the slain. People began falling in ecstasy. That spark led to many more meetings and weekend events which culminated in the Cane Ridge Revival where one person said, Many thousands of people attended. The mighty power and mercy of God was manifested. The people fell before the word like corn before a storm of wind. And many rose from the dust with divine glory shining in their countenances. Doesn't that sound incredible? When the Spirit fell in the upper room, 
Some prophesied, some spoke in tongues. Peter started preaching and the crowds were cut to the heart in repentance. The same happened at these revival meetings. Some began to prophesy, some spoke in tongues, some fell under the power, some were cut to the heart and some began preaching. One story worth mentioning is that of a seven-year-old girl who mounted a man's shoulders and preached wondrous words until she was completely fatigued. There were actually many accounts of children preaching and declaring visions and amazing God encounters. What was clear about those years of revival was the power of God. After those meetings, there was no doubt left in anyone's mind that God was very much involved in human life and the reality of heaven and hell and judgment will be faced by all. Some mockers came to these revivals and even tried to oppose and jeer the preachers. However, many of them were struck under the power of God the moment they opened their mouths. The result of those few years of revival was the complete transformation of the whole frontier. One man traveling through the frontier reported that he heard little else than the great revival of religion. In other words, God was once again first and foremost in society again. Revival had done its work. When society becomes lost in beliefs like deism or universalism or humanism or agnosticism, what is needed is revival. Can you imagine God becoming first and foremost in our society again? Is there not a need? So let's pray for revival. Lord, I bow my heart and I bend my knee. Send revival, but start with me. Pour out your spirit in an unprecedented way. And may all who hear be saved today. May all who are saved proclaim the way. Lord, send revival and start with me. Thank you for listening to this devotion. We hope you are inspired to keep praying and to keep believing for revival in our day.